My sermon this evening will come from first letter of Peter, chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. Please turn to first Peter. Chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. I'll read from verse 8 to 17. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 17. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, bless, for to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good, and let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you? If you are zealous for what is good, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you're slandered those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you may help us as we expound the scripture this evening. Help my hearers that they may, that their soul may be nourished, may be benefited through the proclamation of your word. We pray that you may help me as well in my feeble, weak body, that I may know of your strength. Indeed, you are the source of all power and strength, and we pray that you may strengthen me this afternoon to preach as to dying men. Forgive us for all our sins and cleanse us from every unrighteousness. We pray that... Uh, your word may be accompanied by your spirit and that it may, it, it may illuminate our 
mind and teach us into your ways. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The sermon is titled this afternoon, A Commitment to Suffer Righteously. A Commitment to Suffer Righteously. The focus of our attention will be from verse 13 to 17. A little background here. Peter the Apostle wrote this letter to Jewish Christians who were sojourners, strangers, exiles, and they were being persecuted, not by fellow Jews, but pagans. And so the purpose of this letter is to console them in the face of persecution and to encourage them to faithfulness and duty. See, the general evil around us shows that we are living in a dangerous, terrible, hostile world. This world is not an enjoyable place. In Ecclesiastes 9.3 says, This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. You see, to believers, this is not a surprise. Because Jesus Christ tells us that in this world, you will have persecution. He says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You see, for some of you, you will face persecution from your parents, your siblings from your neighbors, from your friends, because you become a believer, because you've chosen to join this church. For some of you, you'll, serve, you, you'll suffer persecution because you've heeded to the call to the ministry. The moment you decide to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you, believe to, you decide to, to, to respond to the call to ministry, it's as if all hell has been let loose. You should realize that God is in control of the world. He is the creator. This wickedness is not going away until the Lord comes in to bring it to the end. And nothing happens without God allowing it. He ordains all things, though he's not the author of evil. He allows all things to happen. In Amos chapter 3 verse 6, it asks, when disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? Why does he allow it to happen? Why does God allow chaos? He allows it to happen for his glory, for his honor, for his name. Because his will is secret. When there is evil done against Christians, we know that whatever is ordained is good and right. Why? Because we might not know his will. Job asks, in Job chapter 7, verse 20, Why have you made me your target? God, God goes on to show him that he's a created being, that he has no wisdom to run the affairs of this world. Job has no business instructing the maker and the ruler of this world in the way that he should instruct, in the way that he should conduct his affairs. Job is brought to submission, to God's sovereignty, and to worship God. 
You see, God is not irrational in the way that he handles the affairs of this world. He has a purpose. And his will is not always known. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29. God has revealed to us his will in his word, and God has determined what we need to know. And so why does God allow suffering? He's revealed to us in his will to refine our faith, to perfect our faith, to bring us out of the world. But there could be many more reasons why we do not know. Because there's a secret will. Suffering is good. Because suffering enables us to yield to the purposes of God. Let's look at more specifically here. Are these Christians who are being persecuted? Listen to the advice by the apostle to these persecuted Christians. Verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? And the first antidote to persecution he gives here is that you should be devoted to do good. That's the first point. Be devoted to do good. Who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? That's a question. This question does not expect you and me to answer it. Because the answer here is implied. And the answer is what? Nobody, isn't it? Nobody is there to harm you if you seek to do good. Notice also that the question draws our attention to the executor of this harm. Such a person is an evil person. Such a person is the opposite of good. And so we find this necessity to, to suffer righteously. Because the world will struggle to harm those who do well. It's abnormal to hurt those people who mean well. The likelihood of you to face persecution if, if you do good things to people is minimal. And so this is a person who is zealous to do good. He has a strong passion in regards to living a righteous life, keeping the commandments of God. This is a person who desires to do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of God, Galatians 6.10. And so wherever you are called to be, do not let the hostility, the hatred, the evil of people overwhelm you to the point that you seek to return evil. People may mock you as a Christian. People may make fun of you. People may stress you out. But he says in verse 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. We are to be followers of Christ. That means we are to be imitators of Christ. If Christ was not treated better, do you expect to be treated better by the world? In chapter 2 verse 12 he says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles 
honorable so that when they speak against you as evil doers they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation if you seek to do good nobody will make so sorry nobody will persecute you then we, we look at the second necessity here and he says but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed have no fear of them nor be troubled the second necessity here is a willingness to suffer that you seek to do good and you limit your probability of persecution because people don't oftenly persecute people who do good but if you suffer for doing good Jesus has advice you will be blessed and here peter is paraphrasing matthew 5 verse 10 to 12 blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you you could be doing a good thing sorry and so the the the, the christian here is called to suffer righteously around AD 64 Rome suffers a terrible fire that burns the city for six days and seven nights the, the, the fire consumes three quarters of the city people accuse Nero for setting the city ablaze for his own amusement and Nero to deflect this accusation accuses the Christians for the fire So the Christians are arrested they are tortured they are put to death in the most horrific manner they are accused by Nero not so much for burning the city but for hating the human race and history says that Christians were praised even by pagans for their god fearing walk and conversation you see here we are called to be devoted to do good verse 13 but if we are to suffer for doing good we are to suffer righteously we are not to repay evil for evil and so you may be wondering what does it mean here to be blessed how am i being blessed in my persecution it means that you're suffering on behalf of Christ the perpetrators hate Christ the beatings the pain the mocking the slander is meant for Christ and you're receiving those persecutions because of Christ so those people are not necessarily after you they are after Christ isn't it an honor brethren to suffer on behalf of your savior to share in his sufferings to bear the mark of Christ as Paul says Paul says for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also do what 
but also suffer for his sake. You see, most martyrs in the early church rejoiced greatly in that they were counted worthy to die for Christ. He said that they rejoiced day and night, thanking and praising God, singing hymns, awaiting their day of redemption. And so how are you going to suffer to be how are you going to be committed to suffer righteously? Is to be strongly, be devoted to do good. And then secondly, if if you if you're committed to do good, people will find difficulty to persecute you. And then secondly, if persecution comes, you shouldn't be willing to suffer righteously. And then thirdly, verse 14 and 15, second part of verse 14 and verse 15, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Here we are given the contrast. He says, but, but in your hearts, have no fear of them, no be troubled, and then we are given the contrast there, the alternative thing. And so to be holy there, honor Christ the Lord as holy, is to be set apart. We're told here that rather than fear the persecutor, honor Christ. Instead of focusing on your suffering, focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Give honor to his majesty. Esteem him, his glory, his sovereignty. Recognize him reverently. And honor him because he is infinitely valuable. He deserves to be honored. He's not like us. He's in the highest place. So rather than focus on the persecutor, on the persecution, focus on Christ. Have a deep loyalty and submission to his will so that he may strengthen you in the time of persecution. See, God's great desire is to see his name glorified. He created you in his image and he desires that you display his glory and beauty for his namesake. And so, how does honoring Christ have to do here with being troubled? Uh, sorry, have to do with not being troubled or fearful? How does making a defense honor Christ? You see, these three things are interconnected here. It says, don't fear or be troubled. Honor Christ and make a defense. It's because when you're fearless, you're sorry, when you're fearlessly making a defense for Christ, you're showing that Christ is the foundation of your hope. He's the essence of your hope. If, if, you're, if your defense for Christ is strong and durable and unwavering, you're really showing that Christ is great, durable. You see, Jesus Christ is honored when he's set apart as infinitely glorious. When you give a strong defense of him as your hope, it shows that you're fearless. Because that kind of fearlessness 
is based on hope. And that hope is Christ. And so when people act unkindly towards you, people stress you out, people make fun of your Christian life, maintain your patience with them. Be humble. Be self-controlled. So that Christ will be seen as the treasure in your persecution. Your attitude in the midst of trials will demonstrate the nature of your faith. And so does your defense demonstrate reverence to God or fear of man? Remember that the author of this letter at some point denied Jesus Christ. Not once, not twice, but three times. He thought that he loved God more. But later he realized that he feared men, isn't it? He feared men more than he feared God. And God, Christ is gracious to restore him. And here he's telling people, he's telling these Christians not to be troubled, not to fear these men. Rather, honor Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ. So Christ is honored when your defense of the hope is in him. That your hope is fearless. And so I ask you, is Christ the greatest treasure in your life? Do you wake up every morning with a burning desire to honor him? You see, a hope that is not well defended does not honor Christ. If someone was to ask you why you depend on Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for eternal life, what is the ground for this hope? Will you say that it's because I have Christian friends? Is it because I come to church every Sunday? Is it because I accepted Christ into my life? such a defense is weak it makes Jesus Christ weak and needy it shows that he is not supreme does the reason for your defense honor Christ is it good enough for Christ to receive honor does your heart rejoice at the beauty of Christ knowing that Christ gives me meaning he gives me comfort peace eternal hope confidence in him so secondly there, we see that we are to honor Christ in our heart. He says there, but in your heart, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And then thirdly, verse 16 and 17, for us to suffer righteously, we must have a good conscience. Verse 16 and 17, he says, having a good conscience, so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. He says here that a good attitude by the believer in the midst of these perpetrators, in the midst of his persecution, will put the perpetrators to shame either in this life or in the life to come. Notice that a good conscience comes from establishing a right relationship with God. When you have a right relationship with God, you have the right attitude towards man, then you have a good conscience. But you see, the perpetrators will seek 
to um, to make your conscience guilty. And so you put your perpetrators to silence by what? By good behavior. And obviously these people may, see, may think that you're suffering because you're evil. But you see that you should be able to see that you're suffering because you are executing the plan of God. We may not think so much about persecution in our country, but the world is changing. And before long, people may come after Christians. But we have this hope that Christ Jesus suffered once for us, once for sins, and he suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And so we have this hope that we have the Lord Jesus Christ, our example, that we can imitate him, that if he suffered for righteousness' sake, imagine, he didn't have any sin, but he suffered righteously. How much more should we be willing to suffer for the righteousness' sake, considering that we are sinners? When we suffer, we cannot suffer like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what, what we are suffering pales in comparison to the wrath of God that was poured on him on the cross. Yet he was willing to suffer. He was willing to die. And so Christian, dear child of God, do you think of persecution? Do you think of suffering? Are you ready for it? Are you ready to make a defense? Are you ready not to revile back when you're reviled? You see, this should be a mark of a true Christian, that they are willing to lay down their life for their Savior, for the sake of their Savior. If someone was to threaten you, deny Christ or die, you should be able to say, I'm willing to die because I cannot take the other option. I'm willing to die for the sake of my Savior. And so may the Lord help us to be ready that when the time of persecution comes, we are ready to be devoted to do good. We are ready to suffer righteously. We are ready to honor Christ in our heart. And we are ready to have a good conscience. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this afternoon. Thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. That in your, in your sovereign will, you have restrained evil from those who hate, uh, who hate Christ. And that we have peace in our land. We can proclaim the gospel. And, but in the midst of this, may we be reminded that we have an evil, evil one who is lacking and inciting men against those who are of Christ. We pray that you may help us, even as we evangelize, that we not be fearful, will not be intimidated by men, that we be ready to make a defense to anyone 
who asks us for a reason for the hope that is in us. And we'll be ready to do it with gentleness and respect. Help us not to return evil for evil. Help us to bless those who curse us. Help us to follow the example of Christ, who in being reviled did not revile back. We thank you and we give you praise for these things we pray in Jesus' name.